Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, July 25th, 528 a.m. Central Time. Grain market's a little bit lower this morning. December corn futures down 11 and a quarter at 557. November soybeans down 17 at 1407 and a quarter last. December Chicago wheat down 11 cents at 766 and a half. December Kansas City wheat down three quarters of a cent at 924 and a half. December spring wheat down six and a quarter at 938 and a quarter. We had a hell of a day in the wheat market yesterday. Why don't we start off there? So wheat futures traded limit up on Monday amid an, ex- an escalation in the Russia-Ukraine war. Early on Monday, Ukraine launched a drone attack on Moscow. In a separate attack, a Ukrainian drone struck an ammunition depot in Russian annexed Crimea. The White House responded to the situation, saying it does not support Ukraine launching attacks inside Russia. Russia continues to attack crucial Ukrainian port facilities, most recently on the Danube River. Ukraine will likely be forced to ship more grain by land as conditions worsen at the country's remaining ports. Overnight, Russia said that Ukrainian drones attempted to attack one of its ship fleets in the Black Sea. So the news is slightly more quiet this morning. That was the only big headline that I saw was that uh, Russian claiming Ukrainian drones attempted to attack some ship fleet and they shot them down, I guess. Uh, To go back to price action, so we had a limit up trade in SRW futures and also HRW futures yesterday. So we have expanded limits in uh, both of those markets today, 90 cents. That is the expanded limit. When you look at the last, uh, call it like 72 hours, I think the attack on the um, uh, grain facilities on the Danube River is probably the biggest deal. And then the continued attacks uh, near Odessa, also a big deal. Russia claimed that they found traces of explosives on a ship that was headed to Russia, which was seen as like, I don't know, an escalation, but not necessarily a step in the right direction. So you've got a big wheat rally here. Um, If you were to go back and throw some retracement lines on this December HRW chart, we have actually retraced like 50% of the sell-off from uh, last year's high, you know, post-invasion to this May low. It's been a real impressive move. This is uh, certainly welcome if you're in the field harvesting wheat right now and you have a crop. It's not very often that you see this sort of rally uh, smack dab in the middle of harvest. So we're a little bit easier here this morning, but um, lots of short covering, speculative buying. Uh, We've got a Black Sea casino here essentially in U.S. wheat futures. Uh, so U.S. Uh, excuse me, USDA reported a flash sale of U.S. soybeans to China on Monday. U.S. exporters sold 121,000 metric tons of soybeans to China for delivery during marketing year 2023-2024. This is the third flash sale of soybeans to China since the beginning of the year, totaling 359,000 metric tons. Mackenzie, I had to go back and check that stat because you wrote, this is the third flash sale of soybeans to China since the beginning of the year, which sounded crazy low to me. And it is, in fact, correct that we've only seen three flash sales of soybeans to China since the beginning of the year. Um, Okay, so you want to talk about new crop export sales. This is just a small 
uh, nothing sale, 4 million bushels. Um, our book of new crop soybean export sales is the second worst of the last 10 years. The only year that was worse was 2019 when we had a trade war with China uh, versus last year. New crop soybean commitments are down 65% or a, a deficit of 9.2 million metric tons. That's 338 million bushels below last year in terms of new crop commitments. Uh, USDA projects that for this new crop marketing year, soybean exports will decline by six and a half percent and they reduced uh that estimate uh, in their most recent report everybody has talked about how incredibly tight this new crop soybean balance sheet is and how it's like impossibly bullish i'll tell you how i'll tell you how you make it less bullish you chop exports and and we just continue to see this pace of lackluster um export sales and shipments and we continue to see just these small flash sales to china um it's all contingent on one thing though You've got to get, well, maybe a couple of things. You've got to see U.S. Uh, crop prospects or, or the U.S. crop um, at least be somewhere close to USDA's projections. Like, I don't know if we're going to be 52 in terms of the national yield, but you probably got to be north of 50. And then you also need to see this big Brazilian crop realized. We know that the Brazilian acres will be there, but uh, we don't know about weather. There's always uh, the chance for a weather issue or a crop issue in Brazil. But I mean, that's how you fix this U.S. balance sheet is you just export drastically less, and maybe instead of losing six and a half percent year over year, maybe we end up losing fifteen or twenty percent. I don't know that the demand's not going to come up, come out of uh, domestic crush. We've got a lot of incentives, positive margins there. It's going to have to come out of exports. So yeah, I mean a flash sale is nice to see, but this is these are not the amounts that we need, um, and and this is is not supportive of USDA's export projection. It's awfully early; it could change, but uh, the new crop book is not uh, look real good right now. If you guys are not already already subscribed to our premium content, you sure need to do so. Joe, can you tell me about the video you put together yesterday? My friend Steve Johnson, the crop insurance wizard, um, he is a, a crop insurance celebrity, joined me yesterday. Um, we talked about forward sales as it relates to crop insurance. There are still a lot of farmers out there who kind of go with this like old school mentality that, you know, you shouldn't sell it if you don't have it, meaning that you don't make forward sales at all. I think some farmers are hesitant to make aggressive forward sales because they're unsure of, of what happens if they don't grow the bushels. We talked about that exact uh, question yesterday. What happens if I make forward sales, but I don't grow the bushels? We ran through the exact percentages, um, uh, when you can sell what. Uh, crop insurance has your back to a significant degree and allows you to make uh, aggressive forward sales to some extent, but we talked through all the details. Um, this was a really good video. Steve does an excellent job explaining this stuff. If you wanna see the premium content, guys, go to standardgrain.com. You can sign up this morning. We'll get you on the email list. We'll get you on the text list. Um, the email goes out every business day about 5 a.m. Central Time. It includes the six most recent premium videos along with charts, graphics, a whole bunch of other stuff every single business day. Uh, Mackenzie and myself, we're up super early at 4 in the morning putting this thing together every day. Uh, go to standardgrain.com, 50 bucks a month. Sign up with your credit card. You can sign up on your phone. It takes like one minute to do. Uh, check it out this morning, guys. I'll blast you over the recent videos. U.S. corn ratings were unchanged this week. The crop was rated 54% good to excellent nationally, unchanged on the week, but below the 65% average. States with a good to excellent rating of 50% or below include Illinois, Missouri, Wisconsin, and Michigan. USDA estimates that 16% of the crop is in the dough stage versus 7% versus 7 last week and 14% on average. 
So the trade was looking for unchanged in terms of the rating, unchanged to maybe a, a drop of one percentage point. So there's nothing surprising here. We've kind of leveled off. Um, the future of ratings, I mean, typically, like seasonally, you decline into harvest. We're supposed to catch some rain here um, again after this this hot and dry week coming up. We'll get to weather in a second. But this uh, rating, kind of a non-issue for the markets this morning. What about soybean ratings? Uh, soybean ratings declined marginally. The crop was rated 54% good to excellent nationally versus 55% last week and 63% on average. Sta states with a good to excellent rating of 50% or below include Illinois, North Dakota, Missouri, Wisconsin, and Michigan. USDA estimates that 35% of the crop is setting pods versus 20% last week and 31% on average. So Illinois is your top soybean state uh, in the United States, and the rating uh, did improve, went to 44% from 40% the prior week. That's still 21% below average. So I don't know. Some people look at these ratings and say that uh, a trend of soybean yield is is not likely or probable this year. We still got some weather to get through. Um, I don't know, but similar deal. The trade was looking for maybe unchanged to a point lower. So this is not a big deal in regard to the markets here this morning. Uh, spring wheat ratings were down. That's correct. The crop was rated 49% good to excellent nationally versus 51% last week and 60% on average. Declines were noted in Minnesota, South Dakota, Montana, Idaho, and Washington. North Dakota was the only state that improved week over, over, week, over week. The U.S. winter wheat crop is 68% harvested versus 56% last week and 77% on average. So we're about two-thirds done with with winter wheat harvest, and we've got this uh, massive rally. I know a lot of you guys in the Southern Plains, if you are an HRW grower, you may, maybe you didn't have much of a crop this year. But there are certainly, especially SRW areas that did have uh, really good crops or in the process of harvesting good crops. So this uh, rally in the wheat market is very much welcome, especially uh, given the time of year. Let's jump to some weather. Some rain will return to the U.S. Corn Belt this week. Prior to Saturday, areas of South Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Michigan could see one to two inches of rain, but keep in mind, heat will remain an issue this week. Most areas of the U.S. Corn Belt will see temperatures in excess of 95 degrees for at least a day or two. Extended U.S. weather models shifted wetter at midday yesterday. The GFS model suggests that rain will hit a good chunk of the Corn Belt during the first 10 days of August. Yeah, so um, we did shift a little bit wetter yesterday. You've still got a good four or five days of hot and dry for most areas of the Corn Belt. And then following that, you catch some rain. So what sort of detriment uh, do we see uh, when it comes to the next five days, I don't know if, if you guys have any real strong opinions on what this, you know, four or five days of hot and dry means for the crops in your area. Drop it in the YouTube comments. But uh, this is seen as being maybe slightly bearish, uh, relatively speaking, this morning because we're just a little bit wetter than we were, say, at this time yesterday in terms of the forecast. But make no mistake, still hot and dry for uh, four or five days. This is the max temperatures just for today on my screen here. I mean, a lot of 90s across the Corn Belt, especially in the uh, uh, plains, like Southern Plains is where you'll be the hottest. Some of these areas of Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas might hit 100 degrees today, uh, depending. So it's 
It's a scorcher here for a few days. Uh, did we have some inspections yesterday? We did. U.S. corn shipments declined last week. USDA reported that 309,981 metric tons of corn were inspected for export during the week ending July 20th. The print was down 25% on the week and down 59% versus the same week last year. Accumulated corn shipments for the current marketing year are down 33% versus the same time period last year. Soybean shipments increased 77% from the previous week, totaling 283,378 metric tons. Wheat shipments were reported at 358,796 metric tons, up 31% compared to the previous week okay so uh the old crop marketing year for corn and soybeans we've only got like five weeks left and we are close enough in terms of of shipments to hit usda projections the old crop uh, export numbers are not a big area of contention anymore um, we've we've very clearly seen our seasonal peak in corn shipments and we're going to start to focus much more heavily on the new crop export situation. Uh, cattle market got beat up a little bit yesterday after those reports. Yeah, uh, feeder cattle futures had a down day pressured by sharply higher corn and uh, Friday's bearish cattle on feed report. Uh, they ended the day anywhere from 32 cents lower all the way down to 267 lower. Live cattle futures were mixed, ranging from a buck 60 lower up to 182 higher. Choice box beef had a positive day, ending the day at 304.16. That was up a buck 42. Select ended the day at 276.99. That was up 26 cents. I think I mentioned in the video yesterday, like you, you read off the cattle on feed numbers, and I said uh, they were a little bit bearish. And I had a bunch of people respond to me, like, Joe, that's not a bearish report. Cattle numbers are still really tight. And that is true. The situation, big picture, is still very friendly. Uh, it's tight light numbers, all that stuff. It's, it's still very much a, a bull market. It's a strong market. Fundamentals are very strong. But that report in a vacuum versus expectations was slightly bearish to the trade uh, because of what we had printed versus pre-report uh, expectations. There's there's a little bit of a difference there. Outside markets this morning, guys, uh, US dollars up a little bit. Stocks are up a little bit. Bonds down a little bit. Uh, we've got the Fed out tomorrow. Uh, crude oil is up 15 cents in the September WTI at 78.89. Have a great day, guys. We'll talk to you Wednesday.